Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Don't get settled for just getting to heaven. Say, Lord, I want everything you want. Believe me, your life will be the most exciting and the most blessed. You will never be bored. Being a Christian is not boring. If your Christianity is boring, it's because you're not letting God do something. (laughs) You've got your own preconceived idea of what Christianity is, and you're living in this box, and you put up the walls, and you won't allow him to infiltrate those walls, break down those walls. And you know what? He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. Today on Truth in Christ, turning our hearts over to Christ is gain beyond our thoughts. Total surrender to our Lord means giving our life and all we are to Him to direct and control. Today on Truth in Christ, Pastor Rob gives us a lesson on the ability to open up to all God has for us, and once we do that, how God will assist us in times of temptation so that we stay within His will and plan for our lives. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are to remember that God will not tempt us, but will always give us a way to escape the temptations we face each day. Let's listen to Pastor Rob's message for today. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved or accepted, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. A crown of life. You know, there are many uh, rewards that we have. You know, the Bible speaks that when, as Christians, when we are either, either die in Christ or in the rapture of the church, whenever that occurs, when, when, when the rapture does occur, that we are going to stand before what we call the judgment seat. Turn with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're just going to look at a couple of verses, because we're going to talk about some crowns, briefly. <laughs> crowns are things that God gives to us, that he does the work in us, and then he gives a reward to us for letting him do it. Isn't that amazing? He, he does it through us, and then he gives us a reward for allowing him to do it through us. We get rewarded for that. And one day, you are going to see that physical reward, and you will see it, and you will experience it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 9 through 11. It says, Therefore, we make it our aim, Paul says to the Corinthians, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him, for we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it's good or bad. Notice that. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are are well known to God, and I trust also are well known in your consciences. Notice in verse 9 or 10 the, the word judgment seat. The reason we call it the bema seat judgment is because of the Greek word that judgment seat is. If you look that up, it means bema, bema seat. 
So when you go to the restroom and you look on the thing, I was laughing the other day because I was. This is really kind of personal, but I think I can share it. I was looking at the name of the the of the of the company that made the uh, the the porcelain thing, um, and it was Bema. It's Bema. Have you ever seen that? That's the Greek word for judgment seat. So think about that. It's kind of fun, isn't it? But here's the thing: the bema seat in the Greek games back in you know the first century, they would have you know the the whoever the one in power would stand there, and as they were doing the Olympics and the Isthmus games or whatever, they would be there would be somebody who would hand out you know rewards at the end, uh, laurel wreaths that they'd put around their heads, and and that judgment seat is that person who would sit in there and make that judgment. Well, guess what? As believers, we are going to be judged by the things that we have done in Christ. It won't be a judgment of salvation or lack thereof, but what have you done with Christ? That's really what it's going to be. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, um, we're not going to have time to go through there, but I'm going, to, I'm going to read it or just give you the verse. If you could check out 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verses 5 through 15, because it talks about this idea of rewards that we are going to get and some of our works that we have done while we've been Christians, all that's going to burn up. And there are going to be some things that have been led by Christ that we are going to re- receive rewards for. And you know what? I want to encourage you today to let God do that in you. As you read the Bible, don't just read it for knowledge. Read it for what it's going to do in your heart. Let him take over your heart because one day you're going to be rewarded for that. And you may say to yourself, well, I, don't, I really don't care. As long as I get to heaven, that's all I care about. Well, you know what? I think when you do get to heaven, you are going to care. Because when we get to heaven and we're standing at that beam of seat judgment and we're looking at around and all of our brothers and sisters are getting crowns for different things, and we're going to look at those briefly, we're going to be like, you know what? I could have allowed the Lord to do so much more in my life. Why was I such a knucklehead? <laughs> and isn't the idea behind this to cast those crowns like the 24 elders did in Revelation chapter 4? talks about them casting their crowns, these representatives of the church and the, and the Jews. We're gonna, they're going to cast their crowns. We're going to cast our crowns. The crowns that we've received, that, we, that, that, that God has done in our life, he's going to reward us for those things. Aren't you going to want to be able to be, take part in that? Really think about it. Don't just be settled to get into heaven. Go for everything. God wants to give you everything. And don't settle for just the basic things. I'll let him do the work in you that when you are in heaven in front of him, you can say, Lord, you've done all these things and I give them all back to you. You did it through me and I'm so glad. My life has been blessed as a result. In this life, you're going to be blessed and in the next. But these crowns, there's a crown of life. It speaks of it here. and also, But also in Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, don't go there. Just write down the scripture. We're just going to go through it. And, then, and, and there's also a crown of rejoicing that speaks of in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And a crown of glory in 1 Peter chapter four, 5. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through, 1 through 4. There's a crown of glory that we can receive. Don't you want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, when you're standing in front of the Lord? I want that crown of glory, a crown of praise that he will give to you. Notice in 1 Peter, I'll just read it to you, chapter 5, verse 1. It says, The elders who are among you I exhort, 
I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Peter speaking, the apostle, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. He says, Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. It doesn't fade away. The things that you do that you allow Jesus to do in your life, those things, moth and rust, can't corrupt. They're going to be in your bank account in heaven. It's a big deal. Don't get settled for just getting to heaven. Say, Lord, I want everything you want. Believe me, your life will be the most exciting and the most blessed. You will never be bored. Being a Christian is not boring. If your Christianity is boring, it's because you're not letting God do something. (laughs) You've got your own preconceived idea of what Christianity is, and you're living in this box, and you put up the walls. And you won't allow him to infiltrate those walls, break down those walls. And you know what? He's a gentleman. He's not going to force you to do anything. But you know what? I want to be, and I believe you do too, I want to be that person. Lord, take all of me. Consume me completely. Don't you want to be consumed? He loves you so much. And everything that he's done for you, just let him take you. Let him do everything. Don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? You're afraid of what people will say about you, what your family will think, what your coworkers will do? Who cares what they think? Because you know what? If, if they're in your life in another 30, 40 years, if that's however many years you may have on this planet, if they're with you, what's 30 or 40 years instead of, you know, compared to eternity and that gift, that crown that you'll be given that you can cast at the Lord's feet often? You can worship Him in it with it. Does anybody's opinion of you really matter when you think about eternity? How many friends, best friends, have you had that have stuck with you for a long amount of time? If they're a real friend, they'll love you regardless, right? Hopefully. But if you come to Christ and that friend doesn't want anything to do with you, so be it. Who's, your, who's the one that you're going to see Who's the one that you're going to be in front of for eternity, folks? This is not just a, a length of time. It's, it's beyond that. It's, it's, it's without time. It's going to last forever. Do you understand forever? It never ends. It never ends. In a million years from now, when we're with Jesus, our jaws are still going to hit the floor at, at the amazement of who he is. That's the one that we're going to stand in front of. Let nobody's opinion of you matter. The opinion, the only opinion that should matter to you is, Lord, what is your opinion of me? Let him do it. There's also a crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me because I know that my time is at hand. And when I die, I'm going to receive, I know at that beam of seat judgment, I'm going to receive a crown of righteousness and there's also an incorruptible or imperishable crown. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, there is a, a crown that's uncorruptible and it can't be taken away from you. Do you know who you're running to and why? Do you know who you're serving? Be an example to the believer and to the unbeliever. 
Let's do that for one another. You know, it's been said that England's Queen Victoria famous, famously wished for Jesus' second coming during her reign so she could literally remove her crown and lay it at his feet. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine a ruler having that kind of humble heart? That's the kind of heart God can use. That's the kind of heart that God can impact a world. But let's go on to verse 13. Here the, the tide changes because now... We've been talking so far about trials without, things that happen to you without, but what about things within? It says, Let no one say, verse 13, when, I, when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. There is only one who tempts you, and that's the devil himself. Satan is the one who tempts you. God does not tempt you. He never tempts you. He may allow you to go through a trial so that you can see where your faith and your strength really lies, so that he can be magnified in it. But he does not tempt you. The devil does. You know, so much for the yin and the yang. <laughs> you know that symbol for uh, Hinduism, I think, or Buddhism? It's, it's the yin and the yang. It's supposed to be like uh, uh, the good and evil kind of working together, kind of in balance, you know, complementing one another. No, there's none of that. Because if it did, then it would say that God could be tempted sometimes. Who is greater in you? God is greater, right? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That means he has the power. All power belongs to him. So the yin and the yang, you can toss that. There is not a balance of good and evil. No, God is all-powerful. You can read it. He is not equal with Satan. Jesus is not equal with Satan. Satan is a created being, subject to God, even now. He cannot tempt you unless God allows it. And I love that in Job. If you read Job, he has, the devil has to go before God and ask for permission. I want to mess with Job. God says, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this. Okay? You can do that, but go no further. Job doesn't even understand what's going on. But at the end, he says, you know, I've seen with my eyes. I've heard about you, but now I see you brought me through great things, Lord, and he was the be much the better for it. His walk with the Lord was much deeper than anybody else on the planet, I'm sure, at that time. And he wouldn't have gotten it through any other means. You can't take Cliff's notes. You can't take the shortcut to these things. These things that happen to us and in us, God is working. He's allowing these things. The devil, like I said, is a, is a dog on a leash. He can only do what God allows him to do. And he allows it so that your faith can be strengthened, so that you will cry out to him and that God will work through you. It's that simple. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, it says this of Jesus. He says, For in that he himself has suffered, Jesus, being tempted, and he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus, the same word tempted in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, is the same word that we see here in James 1.13. He says, God cannot be tempted. It's the same exact word. Same exact word. God does not tempt it. He has been tempted. He was tempted in the wilderness, we know. But in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, here it is again, the same exact word, tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's a big difference. When I am tempted, I have a decision to make. Being tempted is not sin. If I'm tempted, that's not sin. When I cave into the temptation, that's when I sin. And we'll look at that 
in a little bit. So why is it so hard for us to resist? Well, to resist temptation. Temptation in this context here in verse 13 is the idea of being tempted to sin. And you know, when you think of it, we have a tough time because we live in enemy territory. There are three things that work against us. The world, all around us, our own flesh, and the devil. I don't know if you've ever been tempted by the devil himself. I don't think I have ever have. Because I've got to believe if that temptation came, let me tell you, you'd be shaken and probably falling on your face, convulsively crying and begging God for help. <laughs> but most of the time, it's just the world and our flesh, and we cave in so easily. The devil never has to really lift a finger too much because the world and our flesh do a pretty good job. Right? He does. In First John chapter 2, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And those things trip us up so often. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the new things that are there, the, the, the advertisements that we see on television, and everywhere we go, we're inundated by stuff. These things have a bearing on our life, on our soul. And how, how important then is it to be in the Word of God, to wash ourselves and to cleanse us ourselves in the washing of the water of the Word? Daily, often, do it because you're inundated. Is there anybody here who's not inundated by the advertising and the things that are going on, especially men? I don't know how you women feel about this. I, I would I'd feel really upset. I'd be really upset to see the way women are portrayed in our culture, on television, in advertisements, everything. They're treated as some sex slave. And the way that they're treated, how do you ladies feel about that? I don't think you're really excited about it. Sure, it can feed the ego. If you're, if you're dressing in a, in a certain way, men are looking at you and it feeds the ego. I, I get it. But you know, as a, as a, as a born-again woman, be very careful. Do you have the, any idea the influence that you wield over men, unsaved and saved men? We have to be really careful, ladies. And guys, whatever it is that you're doing that's feeding your ego by doing things to attract the opposite sex, to boost your ego, consider that as well and say, you know, why am I doing this? I'm really harming other people. I'm not giving them an opportunity to walk and, and be free from that. Wouldn't you like to have a, be free from all of that stuff that we see? Does it have an effect on you at all? I believe it does. I believe it does. But you are of God, little children, John says, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You know, be real careful. You know, in Galatians, you know, sometimes in temptations, we try to reach out and help people. And if you're an alcoholic, say, and you want to help somebody else who's struggling with alcoholism, and maybe you've been dry for a while, be real careful. Because you could go to that person and say, you know what, brother, I understand. I've been there. I understand that and the thing you struggle with. And you've got to be really careful because you might not be strong enough to, to deal with that. You know, in, First Corinthians, or I'm sorry, in Galatians chapter 6, it says this, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. There's our word again. Internal temptation. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. So consider yourself lest you also be tempted. Beware if you've got a problem and, and somebody, if you go to that alcoholic and 
He's like, you know what? I'm having a real struggle. You know, let's just have a beer. Let's just kind of think, talk about this over a beer. And then the brother who was struggling with it now says, yeah, it's okay. We got, we're a guy. He's got a grace. And then you do that, and then you're in it again. Off you go into your abyss. Whatever it may be, be real careful. In verse 14, he says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and is enticed. His own desires. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, it says this. You might want to write it down. It says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And I love this. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But here it is. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. What do you do when you are tempted? When you are right at the edge. And for some reason, the temptations that usually get us, that I've seen in people that I know, and in my own life, and in my own life, is you see anger. How do you, what do you do when you're about ready to be Mount Vesuvius and, and be angry? What do you do when you're about to take that drink, when, you're, when your body is just vibrating because you're just like, I've got to have this thing? Whatever it may be, it could be pornography, could be drugs, could be alcohol, could be anger. What do you do when you are in the fire and you're feeling it and you're like, the urge is coming upon you to do it? Well, you better pray. You better resist it. James says in chapter 4, he says, Submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I said this last week, but I'll say it again. Run if necessary. Do whatever you've got to do, and consider the things, uh, that, that, that the consequences of caving into that. You know, consider the judgment of God. Consider what he did on the cross for you. And then consider how good God has been to you. To me, when I am tempted, I've got some decisions to make. Do I love this thing more than I love God? Sometimes I, I like to think about if I wasn't a believer and, and I didn't put this under the blood, I'd be, I'd be going to hell for this thing. I need to consider the judgment of God and the judgment that was placed on Christ. That alone is going to hit me right between the eyes and go, you know what, whatever this is, I just got to fall on my face and hold on until the whatever it is passes the anger, the frustration, whatever it is that has got you, you better hold on and don't cave in and it'll pass. And then you'll be like, oh, I'm so thankful I didn't give in to that. Because you think about the judgment of God. You think about how God has been so good to you. I love to think about that when I'm tempted to do something. I'm like, God, you've been so good to me. Why would I ruin it on something so stupid? For some flash in the pan thing, why do it? Why give it up? And consider your new birth. If you're born again, consider that, what it took to, to the Holy Spirit to save you. You know, David, let's look at verse 15. It says, Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. I'd like you to underline three words. Underline desire, Underline sin and underline death. Because when you have a desire, the desire itself could be sinful. But when you, wrap, when you combine that with an opportunity, now you've got the ingredients of sin. You may have a desire, but you've never had the ability to work it out. You may never have had the opportunity to exact upon that sin. 
But you know what? God has a funny way of working these things out, and the devil will certainly find a way because his design is to trip you up and to destroy you. You can still be a Christian and still struggle with something. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of James. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.